Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see you turning your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4 is where we're going to be today. And uh, we've only got two weeks left in our sermon series in the book of Philippians, this idea of being consumed with Christ. And uh, it, has been, it has been a wonderful time for me personally. I hope it's been a, a great learning experience for you to go through this letter of Paul's. Uh, and Paul is going to be concluding, giving some concluding thoughts in, these, in two of these verses uh, that we read this morning, that, that Wanda read for us this morning. And when I think about giving concluding thoughts, you're, you're trying to give some, some just one, two really big ideas. Hey, don't forget this. Hey, make sure you remember this. And that's what Paul is going to be doing today in the final parts of his letter. You know, Paul has been talking about the, these people, this church, being consumed with Christ. He began by saying, you know, for me to live is Christ. And then he says, talking about having the mind of Christ and worshiping Christ and then knowing Christ. And there's all of these being consumed with this idea of walking with him and knowing him and loving him and worshiping him. And so when it comes to this, these final instructions, we need to keep the context of those instructions in mind as he gives these things. Uh, and last week, I don't, I'm not sure if you noticed, but, but one of the things, I love what Pastor Dan spoke on last week because he talked a lot about this idea of, of anxiety and peace and, and how many times life comes at us and just causes all kinds of anxiety within us. And that is true, right? That is, that is so often the case for our lives. But, you know, here's, here's what last week was about. Last week was about, hey, you know, we talked about uh, the, the two women that were fighting. Hey, these women, I want them to get, get along. Make sure you help these women get along. And then when you're anxious, make sure you're doing this. There's a lot of, in the verses 2 through 7, this, okay, when, when anxiety comes, when arguments come, when these kinds of challenges come, make sure you respond in this way. And, and that's really important for us to remember. But here's what my fear is for most of us in our faith. I believe so many of us are constantly reacting in faith and we're not living with intentionality in our faith. We're reacting, we're not proactive. And, 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 I, and I noticed that for myself so many times. And Paul is gonna be talking about how to have this intentional faith. I want you to see this in verse eight and nine. There's two phrases he gives to help us understand there's intentionality with this. And it's the same verb form. It's a, it's, a, it's a second person plural imperative, so it's a command. And he uses very similar words. In the end of verse 8, he says, think about these things. I want you to intentionally set your mind to think about something. And he uses the same verbiage in the next verse, verse 9. Practice these things. So between learning these things and practicing these things, there's intentionality that Paul's saying, listen, we need to learn how to respond when anxieties come. We need to learn how to respond when there's disagreements and arguments. Yes, God is going to help you learn how to respond in the right way. But make no mistake, what you've got to learn more than that is you've got to live with intentionality. You know, it is vacation time. Amen. I mean, we're, boy, that was weak. Aren't you guys excited about the summer? I'm like, it's vacation time. Like, duh, yeah. 
we're, most of us are going to have some point. We're going to go to the we're going to go to the mountains. We're going to go to the beach. And and when you go to the beach, it's always fun to kind of get in the water. And and uh, I'm not sure. I'm not a huge water guy, but as long as my feet can touch the sand, I enjoy the beach. And so you know, there's been times when you go out to the beach and you're with your fr- your, your family, and 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 the waves are just you're just enjoying the waves, riding the waves. But you can just lay there or sit there. And if you're not, if you know this, when you're going out there and just kind of standing out there in the waves. What's going to happen to you? you the, the waves are going, the current is going to move you along. You ever just kind of sit there and you're just talking with people and you're kind of like floating up and down when the waves come and then you just notice something, you're like, oh my goodness, my, my stuff is like 100 yards that way, right? And, and many times that's the way we live with our, we just kind of let the waves of life, the waves of, of, of our, our circumstances Move us along. Well, listen, if you want to get somewhere in the water, you can't just let the waves take you. you got to swim. you got, you got to move your body with intention to get back to where you want to go and where you need to be. And I think for many of us, it is like we are pushed around by life. We let what other people are doing affect us. We let the enemy, we let the the spiritual forces of darkness push us around with their own temptations and their own attacks in our life. And we're constantly, it's like we're in a boxing match and all we've got is our fists up like this to block the things. And what Paul is saying is, listen, you've got to learn how to respond. That's good. But, But we need to stop reacting and start living with intentionality. That's what Paul is talking about here in these final two verses. And here, the main idea is this. Stop reacting and start thinking and living intentionally like Jesus. Stop, don't just react to life, but instead begin thinking and living intentionally like Jesus. Now, many of you live with intentionality. Right? It's, not, it's not that you don't live intentionally. Maybe, maybe some of you just let all of life pass you, or you're just kind of constantly riding the waves of life. But many of you live with intentionality with a lot of things. Some of you know what it's like to live with intentionality in your career, right? You're not just going to sit there. You're going to be looking out and saying, hey, am I in the best position? Is, are, do I, what are my career goals? How am I going to get from point A to point B, right? Some of you have financial uh, goals. So with your finances, you're not just looking at the stock market and be like, meh, right? You're looking at it and saying, okay, what do I need to move around to make sure I'm not losing money? Or what do I need to invest in differently? We're constantly thinking about proactively, how do I go from point A to point B? And if we can think intentionally with our families, thinking intentionally with our calendars, thinking intentionally with our careers, thinking intentionally with our finances, we need to begin thinking intentionally with our faith, God is inviting us, and Paul is teaching us, listen, don't just be moved. Don't just react. But I want you to practice these things. I want you to think about these things. And so that's what we're going we're, we're to look at. Let's look at the first point, to think intentionally, because he begins there in verse 8. Now, verse 8, Philippians 4, 8, is one of those verses, right? There, there's so many verses in Philippians, in the, in the letter of Philippians, that are very well known for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, right? And this is another one. Or he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete in the day of Jesus Christ. And this is another one. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
Now, I heard that verse. You know when I used to hear that verse the most growing up? When I was watching a show on television. And my mom would be like, hey, ah, Philippians 4.8. Right? And this, it's a great application, but many times I think our familiarity with this verse, maybe we just read it over, we don't really think about it. how do I practice this? How do I think intentionally? And what we're going to see, I want you to, I want you to we're going to look at some, some themes throughout the, the letter of Philippians, because if this is Paul's really final push to instruct us on how to live like Christ, there's going to be some themes that we see woven through each of these three points we're going to see this morning of how to live with intentionality. But, but this idea of thinking with intentionality is something, it's a theme that he has woven throughout this letter. He has talked constantly about our thinking. In fact, one of the main themes that his words that he has used in this letter is this Greek word phroneo, which means to think through or to think about. It's, it's, uh, it's the same word that was used in Philippians 2 when it says, have the mind of Christ. Th- have the same thinking in, verse, in chapter 1. Have the same mind. Have the mind of Christ. There's this idea of thinking constantly that he's, he's making the, 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 these people of Philippi to, to make sure, am I thinking correctly? But this is not phroneo. This is, this is a different word. It's, it's a Greek word, logizomai. And logizomai is this idea, it's this word, when it says to think about these things, this is a word that means to, to contemplate, to ponder, to, to dwell upon. This is, this is the kind of word that is used to say, hmm, let me think about that. Okay. It's to constantly make sure that our minds aren't just, we don't just have the operating system of the way we think about things, but we're going to spend our time thinking about the right kind of things. And that's what Paul's saying. I want you to think with intentionality. Now, let's go back up. Okay, verse 6 of this same chapter, what does he say? Do not be anxious about anything. That, that word anxious is this idea of another thread or another way of thinking. And so when, you, when your mind starts thinking in another direction, what, what we've got to do is we've got to respond to that. But what he's saying is if you spend your time constantly reacting to those things, no, I, I don't want you to do that. I want you to fill your mind up with the right kinds of things. Now, uh, I've got a shed. And I'm not sure if you've got a shed or a garage but here's what I know about sheds and garages. They get filled with stuff. I was just walking down the, my, my, my neighborhood the, you know, yesterday, and people's garages were open, and I didn't see one clean shed or one clean garage. It was chock full of stuff. And if I took you to my shed, I've got a big shed. I've got a really nice big shed. And it's got these, you know, it's got actually got two, two levels and I can put stuff up there and I've got a big stuff. But let me just tell you something about twice a year, you know what I've got to do? I got to clean that sucker out because there's things that just, just fill that, that building up. And I'm like, what? I've got my tools in there. I've got the stuff I want, but then there's just stuff that just gets stuck. Like, like what, what do we do? Just throw it in the shed. I don't want it the house. Just throw it in the shed. And if you keep doing that, guess what happens? Your shed is filled with a lot of extra junk. And so what I've got to do in twice a year is I've got to clean out the, the bad stuff, and I've got to make sure that the right stuff is going in. And I, I think that's what happens with our minds. What we've got to do is think about all the stuff that our minds collect, 
that we're just like, I don't know what to do, this. just shove it in there. And we let our minds dwell on things as opposed to saying, no, if I fill up my mind with the right kinds of things, then guess what? There's no junk that can get in there. See, see if, I, if, there's some, if there's junk that comes in the house we don't know what to do with, and I say, can't put it in the shed, it's already full, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to figure out, throw this away or figure out somewhere else to put it. But, but I think for so many of us, because we're not intentional with our thinking, because we're not filling our minds with thinking about truth, with thinking about, with thinking about you know, what is honorable, what is right and just, what is lovely, what is pure. When we're not, thinking, we're not filling our minds with those things, the junk is going to get in. This is what happens. And so what Paul is doing is he gives these six nouns and two adjectives to say, listen, I want you to fill your mind. I want you to think about the right kinds of things. Don't let your mind just be a blank slate. Because when you are just kind of there, life is hard enough that worries will come. Be anxious for nothing. I just had an episode of anxiety this week, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I start thinking about something, and I'm just like dwelling upon it. Has this ever happened to you? Something is happening. All of a sudden you start playing the scenario out. You know, something bad happens financially. Something else happens in your life, and you're like, I'm going to live in a, under a bridge someday. Right? You're just like, there's something bad's going to happen. And all of a sudden, you just keep letting these dominoes fall in your mind. You're like, that's it. We're living under a bridge. Can't get around it. And I was having one of those moments for about 30 minutes. And, and, and what I had to do is I had to, you know, stop. And, and I, my wife comes in the room and is like, I just need to share with you something that I'm thinking. And, and, and let me tell you, that's a good thing to do. A lot of times when, you are, when your mind is, is spinning or anxious, it's filled with the wrong things, you've got to spit it out. So, and, and, I, and I shared with, with Liz, hey, this is what my mind is going through right now. And she's like, well, that's, you know, you don't need to think about that because of X, Y, Z, da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't need to be worried. But I, it took that practice of saying I, the junk comes in. And if I'm not intentional with what I need to feel, be filling it with, it's going to be so easy for that stuff to get into your mind. The anxiety and the frustration and the depression that will come in when our minds are not, are not fixed upon the right kinds of things. We're not thinking intentionally about the right kinds of things. It's going to happen. And so Paul gives these six nouns and these two, two adjectives about what we need to be thinking about. Now, here's what we need to understand. This list is not some arbitrary list. In fact, I love the wording he uses there. And if you look at, I want you to underline or circle this word excellence. If there's any excellence, circle or underline that word. That's an adjective. And that, that word is a, is a, a word to use to describe. It, it, a, a Philippian hearing that word would have thought about one thing. It's a Greek word, arete. And arete would have brought into mind in their thinking is, ah, Plato's Four values. Plato had four erete that he taught and said in his book on the Republic. He said, if there's going to be a Republic or a, or a, or a community that is of the highest ideal, he had his four values that, 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 were, that were vital to him. And so they, they were prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. 
This idea of prudence is, that, is actually the word that Paul has used 10 times more than any other word or, or any other letter in the New Testament, that phroneo, that this have your mind thinking about the right things. That's what prudence is. Justice is, is very similar to the word which is just that Paul uses in this letter. And then the, the last two words, fortitude, means this idea of courage, uh, to, to, to stand up for the right things. And then, and then uh, the last one, temperance, this idea of self-control, knowing how to govern yourself. Paul is giving a different list here. Because again, what he is saying is you are to be different citizens. He's talked about that. You're, you're part of a different citizenship. Guess what? Plato has his four values. He has his four erete. I'm going to give you another set of erete that are reflecting on the person of Christ. And this list, we, here's what's really important. We cannot divorce these things from who Jesus is. Because what Paul said is, you, I want you to be consumed with Christ. And in order for me to consume with Christ, when he gives these, these, these words about as true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable, what we need to be thinking is that's who Jesus is. So we can't divorce these words from who Jesus is. So let's kind of dig into these words, and then we're, gonna, we're not going to spend a lot of time because we could literally you know, spend five minutes on each word, but I want us to just think about why Paul chose these words really briefly. The first one is I want you to think about whatever is true. Whatever is true. Now that is really important. If we're going to think intentionally, the, our starting point is truth. Go back to that situation I had this week, and all of a sudden I'm worrying about something. What, what I needed in that moment was declared, this is what, my, this is what truth I am, I was making up my own truth. What I needed was someone who could see what the real truth was. Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? Your mind gets so cloudy that you're like, I don't know what the truth is anymore. And I needed my wife, I needed Liz to say, no, no, that's not the truth, this is the truth. What we need to do, for the first thing that we need to do is fill our minds with truth. Every single day when you wake up, guess what you're going to be tempted to do? You're going to be tempted to think about things that are not true. We're going to be tempted. Maybe it's not truth that, that, that we think about. It's the feelings that we have. And you've heard me say this before. I, when I talk to people about their feelings, many times it's our feelings that dictate to us what we do. And, and so our minds are filled with our feelings. And what, what I always say is this. Your feelings may be true but they may not be the truth. You understand what I'm saying? Your, your feelings that you might be feeling, that might be the, the genuine, true feelings that you have in this moment, but just because your feelings are, are what you have, it does not mean that they reflect the truth. And so what we've got to do is not let our feelings dictate to us what fills our minds. We've got to let the truth of God dictate for us. What we, you and I need to do every single day is begin our day waking up and saying, okay, what is true about God? God, you are good. God, you are present. God, you are holy. God, you are merciful. God, you are gracious. God, you are kind. God, you are powerful. God, you are wise. God, you have everything I need. We need to be thinking about the truth of who God is. Then we need to be thinking about the truth of who we are. God, I know I'm a beloved son. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I'm a new creation in Jesus. And we just need to be claiming the truth of who God is, who we are. And the last thing we need to do is claiming the truth of the promises of God. 
You will never leave me or forsake me. You are, you've given me everything I need for life and godliness. Listen, if you begin your day thinking about just declaring the truth, this is who God is. This is who I am in Christ. And these are the promises I have in Christ. Your day would be filled with way more. I mean, think about the mindset you would have going into life. When all of the, the things coming at you, your mind is already filled with the right kinds of things and you're able to handle the attacks. You're able to handle the, 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 the unforeseen circumstances that you don't like. But we've got to learn to set our minds on the truth, being honest with ourselves about who we are, who God is. And, and, and so, so Paul begins with truth. I, Paul always knew that starting with truth was so important. When he was talking about the armor of God, what did he say the first thing you've got to do to put on? The belt of truth. We begin with truth because if our starting point is not truth, our own minds will create our own truth. We'll, we'll start thinking about things that are not real and we will go down the rabbit, rabbit trail of anxiety and fear and worry and depression. And Paul's saying, no, think intentionally about truth. The second thing he wants us to think about is think about what is, whatever is honorable, okay? This is the idea of something that's worthy of respect, lofty, dignified. And, and I really want to take the next three, the honorable, what is honorable, what is right or just. This is the idea of righteousness or the, or, or, or the right things in life. And then pure, which is morally blameless. So think about things that are honorable, just, and pure, I really think that those, this is, this, these three words are some of those important words we need to be thinking about in our entertainment choices. Remember I told you about my mom always saying Philippians 4.8. I, I had a friend growing up and his mom had, had this, a little, little placard that she had made and she placed it on top of the television so that her kids would see that every single time they turned, turned it on. Talk about conviction, Right? Maybe we need that scroll, maybe we need that as a banner on our phones. But listen, we, you and I are filled, we are inundated with images and choices of what to watch, what to allow into our, into our eyes, eye gate, what we allow into our ear gate, the things that we allow ourselves to dwell upon. I don't care if it's a podcast, I don't care if it's a television show, but whatever it is, it could be social media, just us screening through things. Listen, you can waste a lot of time filling your life with just a bunch of garbage. And we, as followers of Jesus, if we're going to make, if we're going to fill our minds, if our sheds, right, if, if the shed in our minds, if we're going to fill it up with the right kind of stuff, we can't allow the wrong kinds of things in, the, in it. And many of us, the reason why we do struggle the reason why we do have issues of sin in our life, the reason why we do struggle with our thought life, the reason why we do struggle with, with worry and anxiety and fear and all these things is because we allow so much garbage in that we refuse to have the standard say, I don't want to hear that. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to allow that to fill my mind to make me think about things that God doesn't want me to think about. We need to start doing a lot more intentional thinking about the right kinds of things. And in the, these last two words, lovely and admirable, these are, the only, these are words that are only used here in the New Testament. Paul uses these words, lovely and admirable, uh, to describe, or maybe it's uh, of good report, other translations translate it. But, but this idea of, of something that, lovely is this idea of something that causes pleasure or delight. 
Something that causes pleasure or delight. Now listen, I, I, I think this is so important. That we need to have this idea of beauty in our lives. I think one of the most important things I learned, there was a guy that, that I uh, was talking to and this idea about how people change and how people have a, uh, you know, develop a, a philosophy of change and, and talking to people that work with, with other people, whether they're therapists or counselors or, or pastors. And this one person who's been helping people through their issues in life for, you know, three decades, this is what he told me. He said, people change for two reasons. People change because of suffering or people change because of beauty. People change because of suffering. Like, I, I, don't want, I want to stop hurting. I, I want to stop feeling the way I'm feeling. Or people change because of beauty, because there's an ideal in their mind that says, you know what? I want my life to look like that. And, and what we've got to do is start filling our minds with the idea, this ideal of what God has for us having a vision when we think intentionally. Do we have a vision for what I want my life to be like? This past Thursday was our last week at Dad University, and, and one of the things that, that Bill Lord, our, our final speaker, talked about was this, what are the values you want to instill in your children? But what that did was it caused us to think, like, what are the things I want my sons, my daughters, what are the values I want them to have and to have an intentional plan with my children? That's what we talked about on Thursday night. And listen, that is really important. I want to encourage you to do that. But many times what we've got to do is start with us. What's, what's the lovely, what is the beauty that I want in my own life? That I, I'm not constantly reacting to things, but no, I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be a woman of this character trait, of this value. I want my mind to be filled with that which is beautiful. And so that's what we've got to do. So, so this idea of whatever is excellent, this erete, whatever is worthy of praise, think about these things. You have a choice every day of what you allow into your shed or into your mind. You've got, you've got choices every single day. Are you going to be intentional with what you fill your mind with or will you simply just react all day long? To what people say, to what people do, to what the enemy wants to put, put, put in your mind. Start thinking intentionally. Now listen, I, I, I believe that this is not just about po the power of positive thinking or some polyandra or po polyandra syndrome. This is, this is really about, sometimes we do have to think about things that are difficult. Sometimes we do have to think about things that, that, are, that are harmful or things that are, that are negative. But if we begin to, with that truth, what is the truth? Here's what I know. When we begin with truth, no matter, even if it's something that's negative or hurtful or sinful, what we always have when we begin with truth is hope. Because we have a God who has overcome sin, that has overcome pain, that is, provides for us a path of healing. And so, so again, this isn't just about thinking, you know, this is just isn't about positive thinking. This is about intentional thinking. And thinking the way Jesus wants us to think. So that's the first step. The second one is live intentionally. So if we're going to think intentionally, the next thing we've got to do is live intentionally. And look what Paul says in verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Now listen, I think Paul is, these two commands, think about these things and practice these things. What Paul is saying is there is a connection, and you know this. There's a connection between our minds and our actions. 
that if we're going to live differently, we've got to think differently. And one of the things that, that I think a lot of us do is we, we, either, we either just run 100 miles an hour without really thinking about what we're doing, or we just think all day long. We just, let the, we just become Christians in a classroom, Christians that come and, and listen, but we don't really do anything with it. And what Paul is saying is don't separate those two. Don't separate the way you think. Meditate, chew on, ponder these kinds of things. And when you do, you'll be able to live out something differently. But there's a connection there I don't want us to miss. Don't divorce the right kind of thinking between the right kind of living. Because they're, they're vital, they're necessary for each other. Because if you only do one, you will have a distorted faith. You'll have a distorted Christian experience. And God, and God does not want you to have that. And so, so there's another theme here. If there's the theme of this thinking like Christ, the mind of Christ, phroneo. And so Paul's like, I want you to think about these things. The second theme that we've seen throughout this letter is this theme of modeling. What does Paul say? I want you to, what you have learned, what you have received, what you have heard and seen in me. Well, he's, we've talked about this before, haven't we? This is a constant theme that he is He's always talking about. Paul talks about his own example of how I'm in prison and, and this is how I'm, I'm proclaiming Christ. And I want you to be looking at my example, how I'm living this out because I'm in, under house arrest. Then he points to Epaphroditus and Timothy in chapter two. And he says, listen, I want you to honor these kinds of men. I want you to look to these kinds of men if you're gonna live as citizens of the gospel. And then in chapter three, what does he say? I want you to imitate me. So over and over and over again, what is Paul saying? I want you to have people in your lives that you're looking towards, that you're in fellowship with, that you're saying, hey, I need you to help me live this out. If, if there's one thing I want you to walk out of these doors with today is this. God does not expect you to figure out the Christian life on your own. You are not meant to. And it's great coming into large groups like this, but this is why we have this is why we have life communities. This is why we have men's ministry and women's ministry, so that you will be known. So that you can you can grab someone and say, "Listen, I need help. I need you to show me how to do this." This is so important for the Christian life. Listen, so much of our faith has been classroom faith. We sit in audiences like this or we go to classrooms in a church building or we, or we watch videos, but all we're doing is sitting and receiving, but we're not actually living it out, modeling it with somebody else. That's, this is what Jesus did. Jesus modeled you know, healing people and casting out demons. And he says, hey, disciples, I want you to do the same thing. We need people in our lives to show us, to walk with us so that we know how to do this. My, uh, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, is training to become a midwife. And uh, she has been at hundreds of births. I mean, hundreds of births. And she loves the whole birthing thing. And it's just something she, she loves. She's, and she's studying for it and training for it. But here's what I know uh, about midwifery and, and the kind of training. Is that in order to be approved, in order to pass this test, there's, there's something that you, know, the, you have to take this test. But you also have, have to be at so many births and have put in so many hours, which I think is a really good idea, okay? Because here's the thing. If, if, if being a midwife was just about, hey, you've got to take X amount of classes, 
and, and someone shows up to, you know, to, to help with the birth of your child, but you know, you know what? This is my first birth, but I've watched thousands of videos. How confident are you going to be? You're going to be like, uh, I don't want to be the first one. I want I get some experience first. So that, you know, and that, that's what life should be like. That's what the Christian life should be like. It's not just sitting and watching videos. It's not just sitting and hearing someone from the front of the room talk to you. It's about learning how to open up your life to, with someone else and say, listen, I need help. Some of, the, some of the things that God's calling you to do, listen, some of us need to humble ourselves and say, go up to someone and say, I need help. I need, I need your help to be a better mom and to be a better wife. I need help to be a better dad and a better husband. I, I need your help to know how to, how to be a person of faith in the workplace. I need help. All of us need someone in our lives that's going to walk with us. Don't try to go through this life alone. Live with intentionality. Practice these things. What, you have, what Paul's saying is what you have seen and received, played out in my life, I want you to practice these things. Don't do it alone. But, but live intentionally. I think the other thing that, that Paul is saying, the reason why he's constantly referring back to himself, chapter one, he's referring back to himself. Chapter three, he refers back to himself. And right here in chapter four, again, he refers back to himself. And it got me thinking, like, what is, what is Paul's deal? And I know I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Is Paul just this narcissist? It's like, I'm just doing it so great. Look at me. I don't think that's what Paul's attitude is. I, I, I believe the reason why Paul is constantly referring back to himself is for this one simple reason. Where's Paul? Where's Paul? He's under house arrest in Rome. If, if we believe, I think the reason why Paul's constantly saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, is he's wanting them to count the cost. He's, wanting, he's not going to paint this, this rosy picture of, hey, if you do all the right things, you'll have your best life now. That's not, that's not the guarantee. The promise is not that your life will turn out the, the way that you thought it would always turn out. Nope, that's not the promise. The promise of us living with intentionality and living, living the way that Paul's told us to live is not that our life will all turn out right. It's that we will become more like Jesus. That's the promise. That's the guarantee. The guarantee is, is not that our lives are going to fulfill all of our, all of our dreams. It's going to be that, that, no, God's going to use me. And God, God's going to be with me. But it doesn't mean that my life is going to be, you know, the, the best version that I can imagine. And that's why Paul's telling you, if you're going to live with intentionality, do it. But remember this, you don't have a choice with how God wants to use you. And there might be some, some of us that God says, you know what, I'm going to put you over here. I'm going to put you under house arrest. Or, or he might say, hey, no, I've got, I've got, I'm going to have this plan for you to use you in all these ways. But here's, here's what I know. We don't get to choice. We don't get to choose, God, how I want you to use me. Our choice is faithfulness. Our choice is obedience. And we need to be learning to live with intentionality because if we live with intentionality, then whatever, however God wants to use us or what he does with our life, 
we can be at peace with. And that leads us to our final, our final instruction. Because the last thing that Paul says there is, and the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, I think that Paul is he's, he's flipping this, this, uh, this idea of peace around. Because what does he say? Remember he says, be anxious for nothing. But in verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what's the guarantee in verse 7? And the peace of God, right, will guard your heart and mind. Well, here, if we're going to, many times when, we, when life is coming at us and we've got to react to life and we've got to respond in the right way, like we've got to learn how to do that. And when we do that, well, Paul's saying the peace of God, you'll have the peace of God. But when we live with intentionality, what well, Paul says, what's even better than the peace of God is the God of peace. You get both. You get the fullness of who, who God is and what he wants to offer us. And so, so there, there's, there's, this is another theme we see here woven throughout this letter. What, 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 it's this idea that God, what, was, what does he say in chapter 1? He who began a good work in you, what? Will be faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. What does he say in chapter 2? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. And so what we see here constantly throughout this letter is Paul saying, I want you to live this way. I want you to do the right things. But while you're choosing to live this way and to do the right things and to be consumed with Christ and to live for Christ and have the mind of Christ and to know Christ, here's what you have. You have Christ helping you every step of the way. We have the God of peace. Not only, not only is it, are we, do, do we need to live and think intentionally, but here's the promise that we need to hold on to, that God is intentional with you. God's intentional with us. He's intentional with his promises towards us. And so guess what? Even though we, can, we need to be thinking intentionally and live, living with intentionality, what we have is this hope. We have this comfort. We have this security that God is going to be with us every step of the way. Listen, God is going to be with you. He's going to be with you. you as much as I, I, I pounded this drum of, listen, do, live out your life. Live with intentionality. Have a mentor. Do it with someone else. The greatest promise you have is that you're not doing it on your own at all. Because God will be with you. God's going to be walking with you. And so what, God, what Paul is saying is you're in good hands. I don't want you to worry about this. You don't need to be overwhelmed. And, and this, this title, God of Peace, is really interesting. It's, it's, a, it's a title that Paul uses in many of his letters. He uses it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, where it says, The God of peace will sanctify you completely. Uh, the, the, the author of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, talks about, again, that this God of peace is going to help you to live this blameless life. Uh, this idea of God's presence in, in Romans chapter 15, verse 33, in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, this idea that the God of peace will be with you. And we also see this, the God of peace in Romans 12, or Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Something interesting. Every single one of those instances, 2 Corinthians, Romans, Hebrews, all of these instances when Paul is using God of peace, it's at the end of the letter. It's at the end of his instructions. 
It's like he's wanting us to, to hold on to something. It's like he's wanting us to remind us because what, is, what does Paul always begin his letters with? Grace and peace to you. And this idea of peace is not just this inner tranquility. What he is saying is, no, the God, when the God of peace is with you, you have a God who loves you and his, his, your relationship with him is one of complete wholeness and trust. That's what peace means. The God of peace means that you are right with God. That God is going to be with you and that God is for you. That God is reconciling you in all things to himself. And God is going to be working on your behalf to make you into the person that he wants you to be. But let me tell you this. That promise is not guaranteed just to everyone. It is a promise that is held only for those who are under his blood who are in a personal relationship, those who have made Jesus their Lord and their their Savior, you're the only one that gets to enjoy the presence of the God of peace. And if you don't have the peace of God and you don't have the God of peace in your life, I want to encourage you today that you can know him and you can have the peace in your life that God is offering you today. And, and, and so, so this is a reminder for us, as Paul is, is challenging us to live with this intentionality, what he is reminding us of is this, God is going to be with you. It's a promise, it's a guarantee. So now I want you to live this out boldly. Think this way. Practice these things. Couple, couple questions and then we're done. Number one, are you reactive or are you intentional in your walk with Jesus? Are you, are you more reactive in your walk with Jesus or are you intentional with your walk with Jesus? If we're, gonna, if, we're gonna do, if we're gonna live this out, what Paul says is stop reacting and start thinking and living intention, intentionally like Jesus. Let's start thinking and living that way. Are you, just, are you like that person who's just, life takes you along, you're at the beach and the waves of life are just floating you around. And you wake up and you're like, how did I get here? Why am I thinking like this? Why am, I str- why am I struggling with the same things over and over again? Start practicing intentionality. Number two, what are you choosing to let dwell in your mind? Now, I, I could have said, what are you letting your mind dwell upon? But I, I want to flip it around. What, what are you choosing to let dwell in your mind? Uh, that, that shed, all of us have garages and sheds. What's filling it up? Is it the junk? Is it the garbage of life that's just chock full? Listen, it's time to clean it out. Time to clean out the stuff in the garbage that's in your mind and start filling it with what is true, what is pure, what is just, what is honorable, what is lovely, what is commendable. Let's start filling our minds with the right kind of things so that the junk can't get in. Then lastly, who are you receiving and learning from? If Paul says, hey, that which you have learned and received and seen and heard in me, practice these things. Who can you say that to? And who can you say that about? Who are you receiving and learning from? Who is that person in your life that's helping you, guiding you along the way so that you are learning to live with intentionality? Listen, God, God, the God of peace is going to be with us. He's going to be with you as you pursue him. 
But let's remember we have a great opportunity. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, you will have the choice to either live with intentionality or live in reaction to what life brings. The choice is yours. What will you do? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Before I pray, I just want to encourage you. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and and you need someone to talk to. I want to encourage all of you that before I pray, if God's leading on your heart saying, you know, I need someone to pray with. I have questions about God. I have questions about faith. I've I've got issues in my life. I've got a lot of garbage in the shed, Ben. And I need to talk to someone about that. I want to encourage you to, to come see me. Come see one of our pastors. We have a prayer team out in the lobby. They've got red lanyards on. We'd love to sit and pray and talk with you no matter what you're going through. Maybe, to, maybe now is the first step in you for you to live with intentionality, to not wait another week, to not just let life go by, not just say, well, that was a nice sermon and go, go on with your life. If God is calling you to talk to someone today, do it. Don't wait. Maybe your first step of intentionality begins now. Father, I, I, I pray blessings over every person in this room. That God, we would stop allowing the enemy, we would stop allowing life circumstances, we would stop allowing even our own hearts to dictate to us what we choose to do and how we choose to live. God, it, it's, it's good that you are a God that helps us to learn how to respond to the troubles of life. But God, we, we are being pushed around too much. And God, I pray for every single man and woman and child in this room that we would, there would be a vision and a calling that you would, that we'd be here clearly from you through your Holy Spirit. And God, may the God of peace surround every person, comfort them, lead them, guide them, help them to live and to think the way you want us to live like Jesus. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.